0: She was a fast machine, she kept the motor clean She was the best damn woman that I've ever seen She had the sightless eyes, telling me no lies And Knocking me out with those American thighs Taking more than a share, had me fighting for air She told me to come, but I was already there Cause the world started shaking, the earth was quaking My mind was aching We
1: were making it And you shook me up
2: Hey everybody, and welcome to the Mojo <laughs> Radio Show. We are we are rocking. What in a the way house to start today. the show, eh? What that a way to get into a show. Sweet. Now, uh, just going to put it out there. Yeah. Am I hearing a bit of anvil and banjo yeah. and upright bass? Yeah. Work from uh, Levi and the Boys in Finland.
0: Oh, I think you might be. It's a bit of a signature, isn't it? <laughs> <sighs>
2: How cool is that? Is that the new single from uh, Stephen Seagulls?
0: Yeah, out on iTunes now, folks. Go and download it and give the boys some support. Absolutely, yeah. They, um, they've they covered ACDC's You Shook Me All Night Long. Awesomely.
2: And just uh, for the listeners who've joined us on our Mojo radio show journey here, um, episode four, back when the show was in its infancy, we uh, spoke to Levi from Stephen Seagull's hot off stage in Helsinki one mm. night And um, talked about the massive success of Thunderstruck, which the guys did with an upright brace, a banjo, Mm -hmm. an anvil, and a piano accordion.
0: (laughs) Actually, Gary, have you had a look at that YouTube page lately? No. Well, when we interviewed them, they were at 7 million downloads. Yeah. Or views, I should say, not downloads. Have a guess what you think they might be at now. Uh, Eight, eight and a half? Just over 11 million views in seven months
2: 11 million views these guys are and um I was reading that they have actually got a record company behind them now for this single so everything else was done through YouTube and live yeah Yeah. now I think it's Universal or someone's picked it up so uh hey to the boys it's Steven Seagulls Mm. and in fact I've got to say also um for anybody who hasn't heard it go back and listen to it because it's turned out to be our podium position for us it's in our top three most popular shows of all time yeah um once again, you know, Robo, that people think, well, it's it's musicians playing a quirky, classic Australian track. Mm. But there's such a great learning mm. out of how to use social media mm. um, because right. these guys really have set up their career and their live audiences and their touring and the whole thing based off um, social media.
0: Well, and it's also sort of breaking down barriers a bit too. I mean, being Finnish, the lads from Finland, um, you know, making something like that work in an English speaking you know environment too you know that's adaptation and all sorts of stuff like
2: that yeah I wouldn't say they're uh, finished yet I reckon they've still got plenty more to watch (laughs) circle, 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 Hey, here all night, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Don't turn uh, off the stereo.
0: Save that one for the best of real. I'm oh, gonna <laughs>
2: get back under Ella James. I'm gonna I gotta get a spot on the comedy store in LA. You're in. Uh, You're in there, I'm, mate. I'm, I'm doing all my own material now. Yes. Oh
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks for coming, folks. Enjoy the veal. Yes, it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, and I'll, I'm just gonna put it out there mm. that um. I I think it's fair to say the Mojo radio show may have had some influence in this because we, at the end of episode four, we're talking to Levi, we did hit him up. Yeah. But we wanted him to do It's a Long Way to the Top. Absolutely. Uh, And he was very cagey. So, obviously, there was something going on. I reckon
0: they had something in the works all along. He was keeping us in the dark. Yeah. We need to get the, um, we need to get that lad back on the show too after this. Let's, uh,
2: let's hit him up.
0: Mm. Well, the email's already been sent, so um, oh. let's keep our fingers crossed. That's <laughs> what
2: you were overachiever, you. Yes. Um, one quick thing before we, uh, just before we jump into this week's show, mm. amigo, did mm. you happen to see the article on choice.com.au of Sugar Overload?
0: Was that the one about Coke and Boost Juice and Gatorade and all that? Yeah, Yeah. I, br- I briefly glanced at it and my stomach churned so I walked
2: away. <laughs> yeah, no, don't blame you, mate, but um, it's very interesting. If you lined up, at, say, a, take a 600ml Boost Juice, mm. Coca-Cola, a Gatorade, a mm. Lipton iced tea and a Red Bull, mm. uh, which one would you say would have the most sugar in it?
0: Well, see, uh, I've read the article, but when I first looked at the article, my first pick would have been Coke, honestly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah.
2: And... Folks, what's astonishing about this is that choice.com.au reported that a boost juice has 22 teaspoons in a 660ml <laughs> cup or 610ml cup. That's like uh, half a sugar bowl. <laughs> exactly, but uh, but it's interesting that Coca-Cola has 16, mm. a Gatorade 9, mm. a Lipton iced tea 8.5 and a Red Bull 13. So... Mm. A Boost Juice reportedly has got 22 versus 16 for a Coke and even a Red Bull's only got 13. Now, you know, we know having spoken to Paul Schick-Luna and uh, Michael Smith and a lot of other nutritionists and and health experts on the show, none of this is good for you. No. Uh, But the reason for my story is that people walk up to Boost Juice and places like that order a blueberry blast low-fat smoothie original size. Yeah, low-fat,
0: inverted commas. They're
2: getting three and a half teaspoons per hundred mil. Mm. And yet they look at things like sports drinks and Red Bull and go, well, they're loaded, yet this thing's got almost twice as much sugar yep. in it. So, um, you know, buyer yep. beware all as long as it seems.
0: Isn't it interesting because I I was um, at the local takeaway stall the other day, just a couple of quick devil winnings on the way to training, and... Um, and there was a mum there and her child would probably be in between Liam and Jack, say about 10 years old, and was standing at the drinks fridge and wanted to buy um, a can of soft drink. And mum went, no, 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 look, no, I don't want you having X brand soft drink. How about you just grab a Gatorade? And, and I immediately thought of that because it's like realistically, there's not that much difference, really. Mm. Mm. Get them get him a bottle of water if you're going to get them anything is sort of the answer, isn't it? Well,
2: that's the thing, and we, we've been banging on about this for the last couple of weeks since the uh, the Nana's Raspberry fiasco happened, um, you know, all the disease that came out of their so-called product. Um, and as Paul schick Luna mm. commented on one of our early episodes, um, which is, if you haven't heard it, folks, uh, episode 20, um, Paul's an expert in health and wellbeing, and his big thing he was banging on about was reading the labels. Mm. And uh, I just think that's a classic, cause, you know, having, even having the name, you know, of a business to boost your energy, so to speak, <laughs> and it's juice, well, it, it actually isn't. No, um, And this sugar. whole thing about, you know, <laughs> low fat, fat's not the enemy. Mm. Um, fat can is mm. an essential part of our diet. It's the things that we're replacing it with uh, to give it taste, which is sugar. So um, anyway, I thought that was quite fascinating. I wanted to share it. I think it's uh, quite an alarm bell for people who are out there in the Westfield shopping towns and... High Street, looking at it, thinking it's the healthy option. Think again, guys, and, uh, you know, go for a, uh, a herbal tea or a, or a bottle of water at least. Absolutely. Yeah, steer away. Steer away. Steer away. Steer away. Speaking of
0: steering. Let's steer to this week's guest. Go. Getting your mojo working. This is the Mojo Radio
2: Show. So, Robo, speaking of steering, mm-hmm. uh, that was quite uh, quite an appropriate intro for this part because... Right. Uh, this week's show is a little different and mm. I actually took it to the streets. To the streets. So it... maybe we should
0: play this. Is that what you're saying? No
2: more more. Is that what you had in mind? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, don't get upset, but I I went, I flew solo this week. Oh, and... I see. Right. <laughs> <laughs> First AP, now me.
0: First you try to replace AP with Ella. You guys are just, you guys
2: are just princesses.
0: Just, it's, it's about, mate, it's about the work. I'm Should I be expecting about... a postcard in the mail? <laughs>
2: yeah. I'm all about the work, mate. I just want to bring you great content. That, that's, that's my MO. Yeah,
0: no, it's all good. I, I, you actually did tell me about it and it sounds like you had a lot of fun and I'm actually really jealous.
2: Oh, no, it wasn't fun. I was, just, I was working really hard. <laughs> I can tell. Folks, have no, a look at the was, show notes um, and
0: check out the photo that Gary sent me the day he was recording this interview. <laughs> yeah,
2: and, and also I'll send you that. I'll, I'll show you the video. I put the video up on Facebook of the uh, scene and where we were as we arrived at our destination. But mm. I, um, I did take it to the streets. And for the first time, we used some new technology. And uh, I went out solo and interviewed a guy called Ian Redpath from a brand new business called Detour Adventures. And... I've got to say, it was a really, really interesting uh, experience to go out and be in his office to talk about the dream, what he's created, the business, and there are some very good learnings in this. So um, can you roll, uh, roll the tape, as we say in the business? Roll the tape. Here we go. The Mojo Radio Show. So Ian Redpath from Detour Adventures, welcome to The Mojo Radio Show, mate. Gary, thanks very much for having me along. It's great. Now, this is really good just for our
1: listeners... Tell me geographically, where are we? Yeah, well, it's interesting because a lot of people would consider us lost. But we're in Bathurst, which is central New South Wales. Yeah. We're on a hill about 1,300 metres above sea level. We're about 10 kilometres on the eastern side of Bathurst. And this is my office. We're out in the middle of the bush. Looking out the windscreen, we've got the most spectacular view anyone could ask for. We can see forever. Now, Robbo, I'm going to
2: take a photo just to show you how hard my day was today, mate. (laughs) But, um... Just let's go back to that. just, just, for people listening, describe the office. This, this is your office every day. Just describe it for me. Yes. What, when I started this
1: business a year ago, I wanted something really special. A lot of people do four-wheel drive tours, and a lot of people think that a four-wheel drive tour is an a old, dusty four-wheel drive where you need earplugs and a neck brace just to get through the day. So I started with a brand new Toyota Land Cruiser 200 series. I then took it straight to an accessory shop, it was ARB, and they fitted it out with all the off-road gear that I've always used in my four-wheel drive. So we offer professionalism, safety, comfort, and a really nice day out. It's comfort. It's 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 luxury forward driving, Gary.
2: So you spend every day driving this beautiful four-wheel drive it is it's spectacular thank you and doing what you've always wanted to do like yeah. this is your passion
1: right that is i've i've driven four-wheel drives my first car was a four-wheel drive i was a member of the blue mountains four-wheel drive club mm. and all those guys who seemed like those older generation of men who are probably younger than me now uh they they taught me so much mm. and i've driven in not just driving a four-wheel drive in an urban environment but i've driven four-wheel drives off-road all my life i'm passionate about it passionate about looking after the environment as well we've all seen youtube clips and things where cars are ripping up the hills and doing, we don't Mm, do that. mm. This is a very organised and very, very uh,
2: sedate way of doing things. So let's just go back, maybe rewind 12, 18 months ago. You were working in a town running a financial planning business. Just give us a quick summary. How did you go from doing that into spending your time in a Land Cruiser as an office, taking people on these detour adventures?
1: Yes. Well, I was a financial planner for 22-odd years, and happily a financial planner. I had good, loyal following, and I love doing it. it. It really stimulates the brain, and it's good. But a fellow rang me one day and asked me, would I be interested in selling my business? So we engaged in a whole heap of conversation. The end result was it gave me the opportunity to sell. And I stopped, and I took a break, and I thought, what would I like to do? The mm. most natural thing is to go back into an office job, but I didn't want to do that. I wanted to do something completely different, something that would challenge my brain, my physical being, but provide something for people who
2: wouldn't be able to do it themselves. Mm. I wanted to be out in the bush. Mm. So you started, when you, when you had that moment where you knew you wanted to be out in the bush, mm. did you then have a dream of what you wanted to create? Yes,
1: when I when I knew what I wanted to do, I then researched what was available. Mm. And there's a lot of four wheel drive operators through Australia, and, and Australia's a big country. It mm. needs a lot of four wheel drive operators. Mm. But I looked at what was available. And I thought, I want to crank this up a peg or two. I want to I want to put everything that I've learned as a financial planner in running a business into running a four wheel drive tour business.
2: I want to do it better than what I had seen around. Mm. It's interesting because in a marketing and brand sense what you've done is you've created what they call it created your own category. Right. So there was four wheel driving You wanted to create a new category, which was four-wheel driving with a degree of luxury, right? Yes, with
1: a degree of luxury and ecotourism-minded. You know, Ecotourism Australia is a wonderful organisation. It's got wonderful resources to be able to back up companies like mine. And they provided me with a whole heap of knowledge and direction and guidance. And it was that time that I realised I don't have to be in an old four-wheel drive bumping people through the bush. We can do this professionally. We can do it so it enthralls people.
2: Mm. Robbo, we're at... uh, almost 1300 meters and the view which i'll send you a photo of is spectacular and on the way up we've, we've been doing this climbing and i must say this this land cruiser is beautiful and in on the way up you mentioned that there was a comment that your daughter made to you that really helped you make a decision to sell the business and follow your passion wasn't they Gary there
1: was and I I will always remember that moment because my children have only ever known me working in an office in a white Mm. shirt and a tie and polished black shoes and I approached my daughter who was 10 at the time and I said what would you think if dad sold the business and without a moment's hesitation she said that'd be great Mm. and taken a little aback I said Meg's why? She said, because working in office is boring. Mm. She said, you'd be much better out of an office. And she mm. said, I think you'd be a nicer person too. Mm. And, you know, when she said, I think you'd be a nicer person, I actually... Know that now because I didn't know, didn't realize how much I needed a break until I took a break. Yeah, and the kids now say, you know, you're less stressed, you enjoy things more, you know, you're you're fun to be around again, Mm. you know. And and we sometimes lose that as adults when we're raising children that we're so focused on putting food on the table tonight. The corporate world consumes us, and I and Mm. I didn't like that. Once I took a step back, I realized what what I was in. And I enjoyed being out. And that helped guide me to start something that, A, I could run and control myself and do it as professionally as I could. And I knew that it would even be me that would make it or break it. Mm. I couldn't blame anyone else for that. And uh, guided by that comment by Megan, where she said, it's boring working in office. I
2: went, you're right. Mm. You're absolutely right. The name the name is interesting because we've been talking about that as we've been cruising around the bush. Um and we're, Rob and I and the Mojo Radio Show are interested in creativity, innovation, ideas, helping people be better. But the, the idea for detour adventures, tell us about how that came to mind. <laughs> Gary, it, it happened in
1: the shower, which I wish I could invent a better <laughs> lie, but it's yeah, not. It's right. the truth. It happened in the shower. I just didn't sit in, in the shower, washing my hair. And I went, detour adventures. Anyone can go on a tour. You don't want a tour. You want an adventure. Mm. So the adventure had to be there. The word detour... Why? Because, you know, we're all too busy just on this one track in life and we we, we don't stop and take a detour. Mm. And sometimes it's the little detours in life that are the best things Mm, that we remember. I say to people, escape the everyday on Mm. a detour adventure. And I mean that. You can escape the everyday routine, humdrum, pressure, stress, heartache, whatever you want to escape on a detour adventure. Mm. So we take a detour adventure. I took it one step further. The stylized adventure is... is it, 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 it says adventure in itself, mm. but the word detour mimics the road signs that you see on roadworks. Yeah. So now you'll be driving down the highway and you'll see detour with an arrow here or detour with an arrow there.
2: That's exactly what detour adventures is all about. Does the bush have an, a, a profound impact on people? Like, do you, do you see them during the day when they get really into the bush. I mean yeah. we are pretty remote where we are right now. We've gone on some pretty rough ground to get here, in luxury I have to say. Does the bush have an impact on people? Do you see yeah. it in their eyes and their their tone during the day, their pace? You do. When I pick them up, they're they're polite and they're courteous
1: and they're 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 ready for their tour. And somewhat apprehensive as mm, well. They don't mm. know what they're going to do. And by the time we stop for morning tea by a river or high on a mountain like what we hear now and I give them a cup of tea out of in, in a little tin mug, you know, mm. they're, they're unwinding. And by the end of the day they're chatting, they're relaxed. And I've had people, right down to little kids, say I don't want today to ever end. Mm. You know, I had a lady who I'd never met before from um, Ohio, Columbus, Ohio. She gave me the biggest hug I've ever had outside mm. my family members mm. when she finished the day. And I said You've had a good day. And she said, I just don't want it to end, Mm. which I thought was lovely.
2: It's very profound, you know. There's science behind this. I read a book called, uh, I think it was called The Nurture Assumption, and uh, it was written by a researcher, and he was a child psychologist. He was saying that children need nature to develop themselves, Mm. Mm. and it's why children are drawn to animals at the youngest age. But what we do is, as we get older, we, we basically breed the nature and the bush that. and animals yeah. away from that. they're lucky to have a cat or a goldfish. Yeah. So I think um, in a lot of ways, people probably come into the bush or the country or the beach or nature in general. It probably helps bring that that you know thing out of the, that innate mm. um, learning experience, relaxation and goodness knows we could certainly use more, uh, more chill time, couldn't we? Absolutely. People get a little bit... Uh, the
1: opposite to claustrophobic out in the bush we're out of mobile reception range there there's no people around what if we break down what if we can't get out what if we get lost all of that and i said don't worry it might be an adventure for you but i've done this all before it's not a mystery for the both of us on this tour it's only a mystery for you we're going to have a good day and once you can assure them of that and we talk about the history of the area and the geology and the early explorers the gold mining history of the Bathurst area the blue mountains you know when when the explorers crossed the blue mountains in 1813 we retraced some of their steps Mm. and things. Mm. It's what most tourists don't get to see. So Mm. we we are genuinely taking not just a physical detour, we're taking a mental detour Mm. as well from the everyday, escape the everyday.
2: Your um, your dad sounds like he passed on a lot of valuable information to you Mm. when you were growing up. And you talked about the principles of the business one particularly we got into the into the land cruiser to come up here onto this mountain um, and you had a principle about the standards of the vehicle and how the vehicle will be presented and those sorts yes. of things um, can you share with us just that principle and the impact that the, the, the memories you had of your dad passing on to you yes yes two things um, this is my office so
1: I, I don't have a shop front I don't have uh, anything else I can offer you other than what you see physically mm. in front of you so I've got a little policy it is my principle where I say today's tour won't go out with yesterday's dirt mm. so I can't tell you how many times I've washed this car since I've had <laughs> it but I've never washed a car so much in my Mate, whole it's life a,
2: it's immaculate it well, looks fantastic
1: you. it really does but I want it to be I want it to be new I want it to be refreshing for you to be in mm. here I don't want yesterday's dirt on today's beautiful tour so that's mm. number one the other thing and, and that's been a presentation thing my fair I come from a family of small business people throughout my life and and that's good and looking after people is something that my dad has always passed on mm. to me. And he had something which he held very dear to his heart. So when I'd leave school and go down to his shop, and I was just a kid after school, you know, he would always say to me, say, look after people and business will look after itself. And I, that's profound for me mm. because I don't worry about how much... I'm going to get paid from this person. That, of course, is important. Mm. And and if I was young starting out in business or, you know, plenty of well-meaning people do go broke and I don't minimise that whatsoever. But the number one thing is look after people and business will look after itself. Mm. Do the right
2: thing mm. and it'll look after itself. Mm. That's been very important as well. Do you know, It's funny on car washes, I had my car, I've got a Nissan Navara to drop a name, and I have had it serviced three times by the same dealership. And every time I take it in, they say, can we wash it for you? Lovely. And I go, great. Yeah. They say, when you you like it back? And I, I give them a the time. And I always give them an extra half an hour, an extra hour before I pick it up. And I've been there three times for servicing. and The last time was yesterday. Every single time I get back in the car hasn't been washed. And I just, you know, it's, I almost accept the fact that I'm going to get crap service. Yeah. I'm almost like, you know what? It goes, it goes to the figure. That's sad. Because it, it is. It's, it, people don't hold themselves to the standard that you, I think the lesson for people listening is you set a business, you set a standard, your own personal standards. Yeah. The customer sees it. And I'm going to ring this Nissan dealership and just tell them, just don't promise it to me anymore. Mm. Don't promise it to me and not deliver on yeah. it because you're not looking after me. I'd rather know I'm going to get it back dirty and not be disappointed because I go back there with an expectation. Mm. And uh, I think the thing I like about your principle is that you set a very high standard for yourself yeah. and the brand Um and I think if you look after people, people will, will take that and, and pass it on for you. I think it's a good thing. Yeah, it's almost, Gary,
1: they want a little bit of ownership of you mm. because they're so enthralled. Just looking at my business here, they, they love it so much, they want to do it again. They, they don't want the day to end, mm. which means they want a little bit of ownership of me. That lady from uh, Columbus, Ohio, that gave me the biggest hug I've ever had, mm. she was trying to take one more ounce of Detour Adventures away with her mm. after mm. she hopped out
2: of the car for the last <coughs> Maybe time. Maybe trying to take a little bit too much with her <laughs> <laughs> so, um, now, just um, something that I, I love as a as a, a principle or a promotional tool that you said you do. That I think any of us in business, including you and I, rub on the Mojo Radio Show. You said that a week or two weeks or a month afterwards, you are getting back in contact and yes. sharing something with them. Can you just talk us through that? It's yes. a really nice promotional marketing takeaway to help build your brand. Yes. See, when, when people are on holidays,
1: they do lots of adventurous stuff. It's not just detour adventures. Mm. They're, they're in the middle of a new environment. Or I've had a lot of international guests, so they're in a new country. So I want my experience to be at the top of their mind when they get home and they're talking to the other family members in the hope that they'll promote detour adventures. They might like us on Facebook or Instagram or mm. something like mm. that or follow, a, follow our blog or something like that. So what I do, I always take lots of photos, just very simple iPhone photos. They're, some of them are very, as we're going, it's from the back of them. Uh, sometimes it's in the front, sometimes it's when we're having lunch, doing just everyday things and I drip feed them back to the client. So I always thank them the day after by email, knowing full well a lot of them won't even be near an email till they get back from mm. the holiday. Then follow up in a week with just another photo or two and then about a month later or three or four weeks later I follow up with another few photos. Photos they wouldn't necessarily have seen and I've certainly not talked to them about because I want D2 Adventures to linger on in their mind and you know it's a word we've all heard before but that Spaced repetition. We learn Mm. things best by spaced repetition. So I want you to learn that Detour Adventures is something you not only want to do again, you will refer Mm. other people Mm. to Mm. as well. And by doing that, I want to be top of your mind. Mm. And when when I'm competing against with the rest of the wonderful holiday you've had, I've got to do something better to get Detour Adventures up the top of those people's mind. Mm.
2: When you left the financial practice and you took that time to think, you spoke to Meg and you went, you know what, this, this would be fun. Was there a tip you would give to somebody? Because someone's sitting in their car right now on a train, on a bus, in the office, wake up in the morning and have you listen to a podcast like oh. ours and going, you know what, I want to make a change. I've always had a passion for... They're all facing a fear of doing it. Looking back now, 12 months into it, it's been successful. You're doing exactly what you want to do. Yeah. Your kids are saying you're more fun to be around. Mm. What would you say to somebody who's facing those fears? Until the fear of
1: staying where you are becomes greater than the fear of change, mm. you will do nothing. Yeah, right. And I didn't invent that. That's just a regurgitated phrase from someone I've listened to in the past. But it's true. Mm. If you're unhappy and it makes you happy being unhappy you're not going to change mm. but eventually you will reach that tipping point where you say this is it mm. I have to change and then when you decide to change the, the fear of changing is less mm. of an obstacle than the fear of actually staying the pain associated with staying what you're doing if you're on a train and you've done it this for the last 10 years and you're sick of it and you go into an office and you sit in a little box and then you hop back in the train and come home and you sit in your little house and that's your life maybe that's what you're used to but mm. until that pain goes that, that, that the weight of that becomes so great you won't make that change people facing redundancy have a particularly difficult time because they may be really happy what they're doing they might not feel any pain yeah. yet they're still made redundant yeah. but it's when you're finished with those shackles And you look at what you want to do, as I did. Mm. I, I, by choice, left my former profession in an office, but by choice I didn't go back into an office. It Mm. would have been the easiest thing in the world to go back into some sort of office role. It would have been easy, but I wanted to do something completely different. Mm. So a couple of things. um, Believe in yourself. That's an oldie, but it is a true one. You have to believe in yourself. Mm. I can't say that there won't be moments of doubt, but you've got to keep believing. Number two, go in well capitalised. And I know that's... Uh, something that not everyone can afford to do. But one of the greatest things in little business is being undercapitalised or over-indebted. And if you're over-indebted, then you've got to have bums on seats Mm. just to pay the bills. And then it's no longer fun anymore. Doing something that you're good at is fine, but sometimes you've got to do things you're not good at. You know, I'm not necessarily good at paperwork, but I'm a one-man show, so I've got to do everything. So I tried very hard to do that as well as I possibly can. I came from an environment where I had a lot of staff that could do things like that Mm. for me. Now I've had to learn social media. So rather than say, this is a nuisance, I say this is a real challenge for me and I'm not good at social media so Mm. I've had to learn I've gone to Instagram workshops my 16 year old son says why did you go to an Instagram workshop I could teach you whatever you need to know and he he probably could yeah it's it's intuitive for them isn't it (laughs) it is but it's not for me yeah so I, I went to an Instagram workshop I've been to social media workshops and I actually think I'm getting better and better but there's not one day where I've seen
2: it as a Drudge. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. seen it as, a, as as learning. I love learning. So following your passion, doing this, getting off road, getting into the bush. If you look back at your life in 2013, which was prior to starting Detour Adventures, following your passion, doing this, what's it allowed you to eliminate from your world? Yeah. Stress has been the most
1: important thing. I purposely don't wear a watch anymore. Hmm. Watch uh, Timing's very important in the bush. Hmm. But when we're on our track today, I know exactly when we'll be at each particular point that we're going to stop at. So yep. that yep. intrinsically, time's very important. But I refuse to wear a watch. Hmm. And I refuse to get upset about things that would... I would formally get upset about, and without delving too much into financial planning, watching the stock market is a really important part of a financial planner's day. Mm. Legislative changes, government rules and regs. So I'd, I would be on top of that, and mm. I, I purposely do not watch that now. And I get out and do things with the children, you know. And I've got a little bit more time, which uh, which is good when you when you're your own boss. In you, you sometimes have a little bit more time mm. like that, but I purposely make that time. So if there's something important at school, I go do it. And I can fit everything in and around my life like that. So it's allowed me choice, Gary. It's allowed me to do things in the time frame I want to do them, rather than being shackled into having to do it because that's what the corporate world thinks you must do.
2: So Meg's doing cross country next Wednesday. Mm. Will you book your tours around Meg's cross country now?
1: Yes. A lot of people are quite open as to when they want to come. And I've got to say sort of goes into two categories people want to do it instantly we're in town this afternoon can you take us out for a few hours in which case I would say to Megs I'm not coming this afternoon but I will be there next time and I will grab that and people are here arriving in town they would like to do a Blue Mountains tour tomorrow can you do it yes of course I can and the children understand that my wife understands that Mm. but then there's people that say look we'll be in town next week Can we go on a tour? And you'll book around it. Yeah, and I will book around what what my family needs are. Mm, I think that's very important. Gary, leaving the corporate
2: office, I wanted to get a balance. I really did. And do you think you've been able to get that balance now? Has it allowed you to have more of a balance, even though you're self-employed? Yes. Has it allowed you to get more of a balance? It has, yeah. Yeah.
1: But it didn't happen instantly. Yeah. And for a good three, six months, I actually missed what I was doing. I run into my former clients in the street and they say, oh, we miss you. And I say, that's very good. I, I appreciate that. But... I've, I've stepped back from that now, and and it took me a while to adjust to what I wanted to do, to hmm. to the new life I wanted to be in. Or hmm. as I say, I refuse to watch what the stock market's doing, <laughs> listen to it on the news each morning. <laughs> ah, the news is just depressing. Yeah, it is
2: um, Robbo. We're going to uh, head back in further into the bush now, and. Uh, on the way up, I spotted some blackberry bushes, and uh, we're going to go and eat some blackberries for afternoon tea, which I'm feeling pretty good about given the raspberry scandal that you and I have been <laughs> talking about on the show, because there'd be nothing wrong with these. They're fully Australian bush blackberries. So, um, Mate, thank you so much for number one, having me in this fantastic vehicle, but number two, for sharing your backstory, Ian. It's been, um, it really has been a pleasure hearing your story. And what the listeners um, won't see from where I am in Ian's office up here at Mount Ovens above the Central West, and we are very, very high up here, is that. um, By following your passion and doing what you're doing, just the the look in Ian's eyes and the way he talks about it, it's just so cool to see somebody who's following their passion and doing what they really want to do in their given time on this planet. So um, Ian Redpath from Detour Adventures, thank you for coming on the Mojo Radio Show, buddy. Gary, thanks for having me. It's great.
0: Help us get the Mojo Radio Show on the iTunes Hot list. Hit up the Mojo Radio Show oh and leave a comment now. Oh, and please... You
1: are such a disappointing pair.
0: Be gentle with us. So, um, since I had nothing to do during that whole interview, <laughs> I've actually come up with a bit of a concept right. that I might make, reckon might make some money. Yeah, I tell. reckon we get you, we get Ian, and we get Peter from Fish River Roasters. We combine it all together, and what we do is we... Take some, some fish river coffee on detour adventures, and we go to the top of a mountain and we talk about mojo. Yeah, we can workshop that. Let's whiteboard it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm,
2: not be- I'm not being negative. It's just, let's just whiteboard it. it. Made it a little finessing. But uh, I oh, come say on, at least though, I'm thinking, right? I'm going to say, though, just uh, digressing slightly, but it's not as silly as it, it sounds. I, um, uh, my wife uh, was an early investor. Into a company called uh, Mini Presso. And it is, I think it was either on Indiegogo or um, Kickstarter. And hmm. they were raising funds. And what do you do on these sites? You go in, if you like the idea they're trying to raise money for, you can hmm. be an early adopter, contribute money. And if they get the money they need to fund the production of the product, you get one of the products. Anyway, so hmm. Mini Presso arrived. And what it is, is it's um, like a large, if you, if you visualize a large, um, multivitamin tablet um, mm. that would be around six inches long and you unscrew the whole thing and inside you put your coffee and you put your hot water and you screw the whole thing back together again, put your hand around it and you basically close your hand and it's got a latch on the side that creates a compression and mm. you pump an espresso out the bottom into a cup and it makes <laughs> a fantastic cup of coffee. But what happens, what it means is that you could take your Dieter Adventures trip up into the mountains with your fish of mm. roast. And as long as you had a billy to boil some water in, you could actually make Near a proper serious espresso with creme in it thanks to mini-presso. They are... Way cool. And I've tested it because I take it out to the fire ground with the RFS. And so,
0: going to the days of um, being in your land cruiser on top of a mountain, sucking down a VB these days, mate, it's um, an espresso, is it? Is that right? <laughs>
2: yeah, it sounds a bit like that, doesn't it? <laughs> hey, um, just digressing slightly, but a show mm. that I really enjoyed just for our listeners. Did you watch the show on SBS last week about hipsters? No. It was fascinating. Mm. Anybody who's into trends, uh, mm. how trends impact fashion, food, mm. uh, society, our likes, our dislikes. The reason I bring it up because you mentioned coffee, and um, you know VBS are, in, are sort of struggling, but craft beers are big. Um, free free trade coffees are big. Clothing's mm. changed. Guys walk around with Ned Kelly beards. This show was done um, on SBS, and it's a series. And mm. it's tracking the trend around hipsters. I I loved it. And as a marketing and brand guy, I thought it was fantastic the way they put the beautifully shot, really interesting editing and production values.
0: Um, mm.
2: But it's really worth seeing because the hipsters are driving this whole coffee change, craft beers, clothing, beards, beard products, um, push bikes like fixies. So all that stuff now is being driven by these guys It's an interesting show. It's on uh, once a week. I think it's on SBS. It's called um, Hipsters. Um, Mm. But if you are in business, a marketer, a brand person, a communications person, or someone who's just interested in society and trends, good show. Cool. I'll
0: have to check it out. We'll get TiVo to check it out and then sit down and watch it at some other stage. (laughs) Yeah, this is that way to go, isn't it? Fast forward through the commercial. um, Absolutely. mm. Well, there's not that many on SBS, thank goodness. So, mate, we should wrap
2: up. Uh, What else you got?
0: i 've got one one more thing that I breaks my heart to um, to talk about, but i um, I would really like to um, so bear with me people um, as you know gary i I coach um, the under twelves at beecroft, and sadly um, one of our lads lost his mum last week to the bastard cancer and um, I just wanted to tell a story because we 've talked about grit with these kids and I really think this demonstrates the grit that this young man has. He, um, he, his father called me, uh, for late Friday night, uh, to tell me that his mum had passed away and that he didn't expect that Jared would be at the game on Sunday. We, we had a trial on Sunday. Uh, so, you know, I gave my sympathies and, it, and, you sort of left it at that. And Sunday morning, uh, about ten minutes, fifteen minutes before the game, as we'd finished warming up and we're having a bit of a group talk, up walks Jared and his dad. And uh, I didn't say anything, and we had a, we finished our team chat, and Jared was put back into the team, and I made the the team adjustments and all that sort of stuff. And um, as as the team ran onto the field, I was I had a chat to his dad, and his dad, in a nutshell, basically said that. Jared had said about half an hour ago that he didn't want to let his team down, that he wanted to be there on Sunday. And uh, he did so and turned up and played an awesome game. Um, But the story about grit here that really gets me and broke my heart was uh, I I had a meeting again with his dad on Monday just by chance. And he told me the story that on Sunday afternoon as they were driving home, Jared burst into tears in the car. And uh, his dad obviously thought that he was thinking of his mum and all that sort of stuff and and started consoling him. And Jared said, no, that's not the reason I'm crying. He said, I've let my mum down. And his dad said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, you know, I wanted to play for my team, but I also wanted to play for mum. And I missed, you know, two tackles and I I dropped three passes. You know, I've let everybody down. (laughs) It's like, you know, you talk about grit, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And for me... Jared, if I know you're probably not listening to this show, but mate uh, if there's ever a time when there's fifteen kids on a rugby field who are playing the perfect game, um, you know that'll be the day that you can feel like that, but Jesus, awesome, awesome, and a big pat on the back.
2: Yeah, we can learn so much from, from kids, and we uh, I don't think we give them the respect that we should in terms of uh, the lessons that kids can teach us. You know, we see it as our role to teach them all the time. But, um, you know, kids like Jared can teach us a lot of lessons if we uh, if we take the time to look and observe and think about it and, and reflect. And uh, good story, right
0: mm. Good story. Mm. Isn't that nice? Yeah, brought me to tears, actually. Yeah. But there you go. You, you've actually got a lot to do with cancer as well, right, Bertie?
2: Well, I, I do, Rob. Not directly. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I have had direct um, involvement through my family um, having to face mm. cancer. But... Um, when I started a charity with a mate of mine, Jeff Coombs, back in 2007, we started the Tour to Cure. And it's mm. a cycling foundation that raises um, funds for research, support, and prevention of cancer in men, women, and children. And um, mm. we've now been going eight years. And in th- three weeks' time, I'll be riding from Adelaide to Melbourne to raise. More money we have to raise another four million dollars. I think we're we're at about sixteen million dollars so far, and wow. it's not so much the money that's important. There's probably two things that really ring my bell in terms of the success of the tour is that the money is one part, but it's what we've done with the money. And if mm. we're going to finish on a bright note, you know, with the show, is that we we have funded projects that have saved you know children's lives, have saved people's lives have found actually breakthroughs in finding a way to deal with cancer Um, and they've published breakthroughs. And if you speak with people like Michelle, Professor Michelle Haber from the Children's Cancer Institute of Australia, she's the executive director, she will tell you that the money we have raised has saved kids' lives. So when you look at kids like Jared, the good news is a lot of great work has been done. So kids like that and his family and his friends don't have to face up to this crap. Um, mm, and mm. secondly is we, we visit about five or 6,000 children each ride. So between Adelaide and Melbourne uh, at the end of April, we will, um, we'll visit other five or 6,000 children to talk about what can be done to prevent cancer because, you know, it's, it's stress, it's food choices, which you talked about with sugar, it's exercise choices or lack of that are contributors to this thing. So, um, mm. I mean, you can get a bad hand, don't get me wrong, but it's certainly there's a lot we can do to prevent ourselves from having to face up to it. So, um, yeah, mm. mate, and I'm hoping to do a show from the road. So, I'm hoping to, uh, if, if you'll give me a leave pass, um, <laughs> do a show from the road because um, yeah. we're going to have Jens Vocht, who's a German superstar from the. Tour de France, um, has mm. been for some 10 years. He is
0: wow.
2: a very, very famous world cyclist um, who toured in the big, you know, he's big time. He's going to. riding with us, so I'm hoping to get a, mm. a bit of time mm. with him for the show, um, as well as a lot of survivors uh, and people who have been impacted by cancer on the road and just to give yep. people a, an indication of the tour and what it's like and stuff. So I think we start April mm. 24th for nine days, so... um and it'll all be on sunrise um, in the morning, each morning as well. So, um, what about Lance
0: Armstrong, mate? Is he going with you?
2: No, funny, you know, we, uh, when, I, when I first uh, visualized and dreamt of the tour to cure, I had dreams of him being a part of our tour. And for three years, he was. More recently, I've had dreams of him not being a part of our tour. <laughs> and he's not. Yeah, I guess that would be the dream, really, wouldn't it, at the moment? <laughs> Yeah, I'm pleased to say that we uh, we severed our ties way before the uh, mm. the proverbial hit the fan. But um, yeah, very disappointing for everybody. But anyway, yeah. that's, um, that's we uh, up, up, up and on. So we'll be doing some stuff from the street, keeping people in the loop, and just sharing some stories. Because um, mm. the one thing about the tour de cure is every night on tour you are hearing stories like that one about Jared, and It brings you to tears. But um, mm. you know, there's also good news. But the work work is being done by. Hundreds upon thousands of great people in the in the battle against cancer, but we're uh, we're making ground. There's a lot of ground to be made. Yeah,
0: it's hard work, isn't it?
2: That's about it for the week, I reckon. Done.